Good morning and welcome to Simply CRE. It's Saturday, January 27th. On today's show, Terreno Realty begins a $64 million redevelopment project in Los Angeles, and we take a look at the challenges facing the commercial real estate market. Plus, an insurer is denied an early win in a landlord's hurricane damage suit. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply CRE. We start off with a major real estate development, as Torino Realty Corp has commenced a $64 million redevelopment project at 1855 W, 139th State, a 231,000-square-foot industrial property in Gardena, California. The project involves the demolition and redevelopment of two existing buildings. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply CRE. Can you tell us more about this redevelopment project? Certainly, David. The project is expected to be completed by 2027 and will consist of three buildings, totaling 228,000 square feet. The new facilities will feature 34 dock high and 17 grade level loading doors, along with 332 parking spaces. Torino Realty is also aiming for LEED certification for the development. What can you tell us about the history of this property? Torino Realty purchased the property back in 2017 for $37.6 million. The existing buildings were developed in three phases in 1965, 1983, and 2003. The 11-acre asset features skylights, climate control, fire sprinklers, cross docks, and around 160 parking spaces. What are the plans for the existing building during the redevelopment process? Torino recently signed a short-term lease for the existing building with an e-commerce firm. This lease will end at the beginning of 2026, presumably to make way for the redevelopment. How does this redevelopment fit into the larger commercial real estate landscape in Los Angeles? Despite current economic headwinds, causing a drop in both investment and development activity nationwide, Los Angeles has maintained a strong position. According to a recent Commercial Edge report, Los Angeles ranked second for industrial transactions on a year-to-date basis through November, with a total of $3.9 billion in sales recorded. However, the Metro's development pipeline was much diminished, with only 4.4 million square feet of new industrial space underway in November. What other projects has Torino Realty been involved in recently? At the end of last year, Torino Realty completed a 191,000-square-foot industrial facility in Hialeah, Florida. The property is fully leased to an international logistics company. Thanks for joining us, Bella. Now, shifting gears to the commercial real estate market, it's facing a potential crisis as the pandemic has left many office spaces vacant, leading to a decrease in property values. This, coupled with higher interest rates, is causing a strain on both borrowers and lenders. Here to discuss this in more detail is our correspondent from Simply CRE. So Abby, what's the current state of the commercial real estate market? David, the commercial real estate market, particularly the office space sector, is indeed facing a challenging situation. Many companies have moved to partially or fully remote workforces during the pandemic, leaving office spaces empty. This has caused property values to drop significantly. At the same time, higher mortgage rates have cooled new buying activity almost everywhere. And how is this affecting the banks and lenders? 
banks have cut back the amount of money they're willing to lend. The typical loan-to-value ratio is down from 60 to 75% to 40 to 50%. This means that if you were looking to buy a multifamily apartment building for $1 million a year ago, banks would have lent you up to $750K. Today, they will only lend you 50% or $500. This, along with higher interest rates, has increased debt costs. What about the impact on potential returns? Higher funding costs combined with lower lending ratios logically decrease potential returns. The hot returns of the zero interest rate policy days are gone, but the market generally looks to be in okay shape. The key to the equation is available liquidity within the banking system, and that's where the problems in the commercial office space could come into play. Could you elaborate on that? Bad stuff happens when the leverage ratio gets too high while property values decline. That's the problem in the commercial office market today. Loans are coming due, and since many office spaces are empty, property values have come way down. This is causing issues for both the landlords and the banks. It's impacting banks' willingness and or ability to lend, and we are just in the early innings. This can spill over to all other areas that require bank financing and to the broader economy. So, are we on the doorstep of another big short? The answer lies in the banking system and the backstops that legislators and the Fed may or may not provide to the system. The office rental woes are real. The uncertainties are the value of the underlying collateral, the level of bank exposure, and the ability of landlords to refinance their debts. Personally, I don't believe this is as big of a problem as the subprime junk that avalanched the banking system in 2008. But the risk to the banking system is not immaterial. Thanks for the insights, Abby. Now, shifting our focus to a recent development in the insurance world, a suburban New Orleans commercial property owner has filed a lawsuit against their insurer who failed to secure an early victory. The case, being heard in a Louisiana federal court, revolves around damages exceeding $220,000 caused by Hurricane Ida in 2021. However, the insurer did manage to limit the scope of the testimony. To provide more insight into this matter, we have our correspondent, Michael. Can you tell us more about this case? Certainly, David. The case involves a commercial property owner from suburban New Orleans who has taken their insurer to court over damages caused by Hurricane Ida in 2021. The damages are estimated to be over $220,000. The insurer, however, has been unsuccessful in their attempt to secure an early win in this case. What does it mean for the insurer to have limited the scope of the testimony? How does that impact the case? Limiting the scope of the testimony essentially means that the insurer has managed to restrict the range of evidence that can be presented in court. This could potentially work in their favor, as it may limit the amount of evidence the property owner can present to support their claim. However, the specifics of what has been limited have not been detailed in the report. What could be the possible implications of this case for other property owners and insurers? This case could set a precedent for similar cases in the future. If the property owner wins, it could potentially encourage other property owners to take their insurers to court over disputed claims. On the other hand, if the insurer wins, it could discourage property owners from pursuing similar lawsuits. It could also influence how insurers handle claims related to natural disasters in the future. Michael, we appreciate your insights and we'll certainly keep an eye on that case.
Now, shifting our focus to real estate, we sadly report that Jim Crockerell, a real estate mogul who became the largest downtown property owner in St. Paul, passed away on Thursday at the age of 79. His portfolio, managed through his real estate development company, Madison Equities, included at least 32 buildings, some of which are the most recognizable in the St. Paul skyline. To discuss this further, we have our correspondent, James. Can you tell us more about Crockerell's impact on St. Paul's real estate landscape? Certainly, David. Crockerell's influence on St. Paul's skyline is undeniable. His portfolio included prominent downtown office and apartment buildings, like the First National Bank Building, US Bank Center, and Alliance Bank Center. His firm also had stakes in multiple metro area strip malls and downtown restaurants, such as Handsome Hog, Oxcart Alehouse, and Grey Duck Tavern. His daughter, Carol March, said he enjoyed improving the city of St. Spa, Paul, and spent a lot of time and energy trying to make downtown a better place to live and work. Crockerell's journey in real estate began in the 1980s. Can you tell us more about how he built his portfolio? Yes, Crockerell, originally from Tennessee, moved to St. Paul in the 1970s to become vice president of planning at Ellaby Beckett Companies. His real estate acquisitions began in the 1980s, first with rental homes, then with strip malls. He bought his first downtown building in 1999. Over the years, he played a visible role in shaping the downtown landscape of St. Paul. Despite his contributions, Crockerell was a complex figure in the downtown ecosystem. Can you elaborate on that? Indeed, Crockerell had his share of conflicts with the city, labor unions, the non-profit St. Paul Downtown Alliance, and other property owners. For instance, he refused to join St. Paul's Downtown Improvement District, which assesses property owners to pay for street teams and other personnel who remove graffiti, pick up litter, and boost security downtown. His lack of participation was seen as disappointing by some. Additionally, a lawsuit was filed against Madison Equities last summer by Minnesota Attorney General Keith Ellison alleging the company deprived security officers of pay and retaliated against a whistleblower. The lawsuit, however, will not be affected by Crockerell's death, as it is against Madison Equities, not its owner. Despite these controversies, Crockerell remained optimistic about downtown's residential sector, didn't he? Yes, he did. Crockerell had been bullish about downtown's residential sector for years, leading conversions of old commercial buildings into apartments while preserving much of their historic charm and appeal. Even after the pandemic upended downtowns across the country, he continued to bet on St. Paul. In 2022, he bought the troubled Capital City Plaza parking ramp and planned to build apartment units on top. What can you tell us about Crockerell's personal life and his relationship with his employees? Crockerell was known for his loyalty to his friends and employees, many of whom have been with the firm for more than a decade. His daughter, Carol March, who is a broker and executive at Madison Equities, spoke highly of his loyalty. Crockerell is survived by his wife, Rosemary Courtgard, children, Rob Crockerell and March, and four grandchildren. That was Simply CRE, reporter James, shedding light on the life and legacy of Jim Crockerell. Thank you for your insights, and with that, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply CRE. We'll see you back here tomorrow.